Hello and a very warm welcome to this new edition of the podcast. Today we'll talk about a couple of terms which are important. It'll be brief but yet very important. Uh, now, whenever we talk about the Elizabethan age, all of us know that the Elizabethan age is the age of Renaissance. It is the age of Reformation. It is also the age where we're able to see a new intellectual climate that is developing. But you must also remember certain aspects of this particular rule which we often forget. Uh, now, Queen Elizabeth I, who's ruling from 1558 to 1603, is a very educated and articulate individual. And we will try to uh, validate this, this particular claim as well. She had a profound effect on almost all the aspects of the English Renaissance life. Uh, you know, she is a woman who's in charge of the country. And she is in charge of a country where we are able to see deep set of patriarchal values that are coming up. And therefore, she's called the monarch of paradox or she's called the embodiment of paradox because a feminine ruler is coming and ruling an entire country which is already set with patriarchy. Right. She is making sure that her entire reputation as a virgin queen remains. She refuses to get married also. Uh, why is she refusing to get married? We'll talk about this. But the question that all of you should know through today's podcast definitely is that she is having one of her own works, her own poems. And what is the name of the poem? The name of the poem is on Monsieur's Departure. M-O-N-S-I-E-U-R on Monsieur's departure, 1582. Now, beautifully, she highlights, so this is her own poem on Monsieur's departure, 1582. She talks about the fact that there's a powerful split between private love and public duty. In a very ambiguous phrase that she is using, um, and many people say that perhaps that, 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 that particular phrase is for Duke of Anjoy also. Remember when we had that podcast on Sir Philip Sidney, we said that Sidney had written to Queen that don't get married to the Duke of Anjoy. Uh, you shouldn't get married to a French person at all. So uh, so in, in her poem on Monsieur's departure, she's writing, From myself another self I turned. From myself, another self I turned. You know, today's podcast, you will see the same idea coming in the essays of Francis Bacon also. Bacon also says that if you want to be successful in your career, you will have to renounce your private world. You will have to forego your private world. And who better example as Queen Elizabeth herself? So do remember the first important pointer. She's writing on Monsieur's departure, 1582, from myself, another self I turned. There were issues of marriage and succession which are very clearly seen. You're able to see that, you know, if she would have married an Englishman, for instance, okay? Uh, imagine that she would have married an Englishman. Then certainly courtiers would have understood that, okay, she's siding a particular faction. Because obviously that person would have come from some faction. Either he would have been a Puritan or he would have been a Protestant or he would have been a Catholic. So that would have raised issues. And had she married a, uh, sorry, had she married a foreign ruler like the Duke of Anjoy, then again, you know, people would have accused her that you've made England subservient to an alien country, an enemy power. How can you do that? Right. So marriage was not a question of personal choice for Queen Elizabeth. It was more a kind of a tool of making sure that the the English people and their rights and their uh, so-called uh, aspects were fully taken care of. The foreign policy was in proper place. That was really important. That was very, very important.
but you know she ensured that the representation of her continued as a lady with cosmic power she perpetuated this reputation uh, there were various portraits also so there is one famous portrait that can come in your exam in 1585 william seger ermine so william seger s e g a r he is right uh, he's creating this portrait of ermine e r m i n e ermine in 1585 which is symbolic of chastity then there is also george gower george gower he is also making a portrait called armada portrait 1588 which is also showing that you know queen elizabeth is having this imperial power so you are able to see that she is perpetuating images of herself as an important monarch and remember even in literature sydney spencer they are of course courtier poets spencer for instance in fairy queen what is he doing he is representing human virtues why the worthy knights and in the first book we are able to see in the allegorical poem there is a victory of the protestant reformation that is getting celebrated in the fairy queen the victory of protestant reformation is getting uh, celebrated also remember there are there are these uh, there are focus on two virtues concord and chastity and elizabeth is portrayed as uh, you know she's portrayed as a muse as well as a political and religious reformer in the work book 3 of fairy queen we are able to see that queen elizabeth is represented in the figure of britomartis britomart b r i t o m a r t britomart is a woman disguised as a knight a woman disguised as a knight that is what we are able to see so you know one thing that you are in a position to see is that queen elizabeth is really powerful here and uh, there there's this very very famous line very very famous line which can come again in your exam queen elizabeth in her own speech which she was giving to the troops at tilbury docks tilbury docks t i l b u r y tilbury docks uh, so what what had happened was uh, on the eve Uh, on the eve the evening uh, when the battle against the spanish armada was taking place in 1588 at the tilbury docks queen elizabeth said these lines i know so what did she say i know i have the body but of a weak and feeble woman so that that's what she's saying she's saying i know that i have the body but of a weak and feeble woman but i have the heart and stomach but i have the heart and stomach of a king and of a king of england too so these are very very powerful lines that she's saying she's trying to talk about so very particular about her image so to say and remember tied to this is the notion the renaissance thought which is coming in so for instance look at montague there were you know these newer forms emerging uh, these newer forms like a uh, meditative didactic essay forms Uh, of course it was popularized in france by uh, by montague so we are able to see that montague is is as a person who's trying to popularize the form of essay and francis bacon does that in in england now please remember that there is a very important essay of montague which is called of the cannibals of the cannibals this is montague of the cannibals c a n n i b a l e s this is not our spelling of cannibals that we write and why is this essay so important of the cannibals 
because shakespeare is reproducing word for word in the tempest word for word in the tempest in the form of remember the loyal gonzalo gonzalo is creating a utopian musing he's talking about a utopia in act 2 this question has come and what is that utopia in act 2 it is actually trying to give us a mirror of the new world as montaigne's essay is also trying to give us so this is very important and save this point because you know uh, by the end of the podcast i'll be telling you a very interesting thing imagine if shakespeare was not learned he wouldn't really have read works uh, of writers like montaigne or the classical writers so to say keep this in mind i will come back to this point again so we are able to see that you know uh, in in uh, in gonzalo's utopian musings in act 2 we are having a very similar version of uh, montaigne's essay of the cannibals so we are able to see uh, that you know what is montaigne saying montaigne talks about that uh, whenever we are trying to go somewhere else to the new world we are always talking about the problems in the new worlds because remember exploration had started but he's saying what about us what about southern europe there's so many problems with us there's so many problems with us so montaigne says i'm not sorry i'm not sorry that we notice the barbarous horrors of such acts of cannibalism but i'm heartily sorry that judging their faults rightly we should be so blind to our own we are blinded by our own by by our own sort of thoughts we have forgotten that we are also having problems but you know bacon was a person who gets this freshness which is still available so bacon is writing this very powerful essay which is called of marriage and single life which is called of marriage and single life he is urging men he is urging men that they shouldn't jeopardize their career plans um right so he says that you know to consider how a, having a family may just jeopardize your career plans so there's this quotation that he says in of marriage and single life he that hath wife and children hath given hostages to fortune okay so he that hath wife and children has given the uh, given hostages to fortune for they are impediments to great enterprises either of virtue or mischief so you you're able to see and and he continues certainly the best works and of the great greatest merit of for the public have proceeded from the unmarried or childless men unmarried or childless men so you're able to see that uh, this was a very important point that we are able to notice this was something that was clearly visible that uh, that 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 was uh, symbolic even in the image of queen victoria as we are able to see because queen victoria was also symbolic of what bacon was trying to talk about just give me a second there'll be a little bit of a pause in this podcast as i am alone but no worries we'll be continuing okay so what we saw over here was that just as we said that queen elizabeth was also a person who's talking about that how there is this entire choice that she has to make between her family as well not a family per se but getting married of course and taking care of the entire kingdom and the same thing bacon is also talking about right uh, you know so bacon's own virgin queen elizabeth is actually making the choice of marrying her public endowing her people so we are able to see a similar attribute attribute coming in nicolo machiavelli nicolo machiavelli is also important why is he important because machiavelli is actually writing the prince el principe el principe p r i n c i p e in 1532 
and in this particular work we are able to see that he is telling us about audacious pragmatism what is audacious pragmatism uh, trying to tell us that you know scheming self interestedness malcontent figures are important what had basically happened as a very interesting story to nicolo machiavelli's prince also so nicolo machiavelli's prince was actually um, inspired by his meeting in the first decade so in the first decade of 16th century machiavelli actually became aware about this person the soldier called borgia so cesar borgia was a very very powerful italian soldier and politician and he was courageous he was ambitious uh, there was also um, this autocracy that was clearly visible in his conduct and what we are able to observe is that uh, borgia had a rise but he also had a fall and that is when uh, you know when nicolo machiavelli realized that why did he have a fall he had a fall because of the fact that he was not at all he was not at all remaining uh, extremely true to the feelings of audacious pragmatism uh, and you know here machiavelli quotes a very important quotation and what is that quotation he says um, he says fortune and this is a very misogynist statement that he makes but this has been asked also in exams he says fortune is a woman and if you want to control her it is necessary to treat her roughly and it is clear that she is more inclined to yield to men who are impetuous than to those who are calculating you need to be impetuous impetuous so remember uh, this is a point that even tagore highlights when you look at ghare bare so ghare bare you are able to see that bimala is more inclined towards sandeep over a nikhilesh because sandeep is more impetuous so this is something which has been a prototype usually that we are able to look at um uh, that that's mostly shown but what you have to take from here is that during the renaissance there were changes in thought processes that was coming in be it montague be it a uh, montague trying to tell us that the problem is within us by writing off the cannibals or be it nicolo machiavelli who's trying to tell us how we can be very strong or we can uh, make sure that we are maintaining power uh, you know here there is a very important point please remember so uh, what really happens is that and and this is something that all of you should keep in mind uh, whenever we are talking about shakespeare for instance okay look at shakespeare's characters edmund edmund in king lear or iago's character uh, in othello you are able to see these are machiavellian characters so shakespeare was also aware about these kind of characters the scheming malcontent self interested characters who were coming in and that is the reason uh, there is uh, there's louis borgs uh, who is the south american writer uh, he talks about he talks about this beautiful work in this beautiful work called everything and nothing he's saying that you know whenever you are looking at whenever you're looking at writers um and 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 you see that you know a lot of times we are only thinking that there's not a lot of output given on that writer you must remember that no those writers have given us those characters and that is more than enough for us to read those characters to know about that writer so uh, borges talks about that no one has ever been so many men as this man who like the egyptian proteus could exhaust all the guises of reality could exhaust all the guises of reality so borges is actually praising shakespeare can you see in this line he's praising shakespeare that he has literally given us representations of all the men that were humanly possible
So, so far, uh, what are the important pointers? Because there was a little bit of a disruption today in this particular podcast. What are some of the pointers that we have to keep in mind? We should remember on Monsieur's departure, where Queen Elizabeth talks about from myself, another self I turned. We are also able to see that how William Sager is having Ermine's portrait of Queen Elizabeth. George Gower is giving us the Armada portrait. Queen Elizabeth talks about the decisions she has to take. Uh, then we are able to see Montague writing of the cannibals, trying to criticize the southern European continent. And Gonzalo's speech, utopian speech in Act 2 of The Tempest is coming from here only. Uh, then Bacon's style of writing, how Bacon in Off Marriage and Single Life, trying to allude to Queen Elizabeth itself. Niccolo Machiavelli, again, trying to tell us about audacious pragmatism, being inspired by Cesare Borgia's, uh, Borgia's character. He's not a character, he's a soldier and politician, right? And of course, how we are able to see that this man, Shakespeare, is very well learned because he is creating these characters who are having a lot of knowledge. See, Gonzalo, he knew about Montague's essay. So tied to this is also a very interesting concept of Earl of Oxford. So you can write this down. There's an interesting concept of Earl of Oxford. Some of you will be aware about it because we've discussed it. Edward de Verve, Edward de Verve, E-D-W-A-R-D, D-E, Verve, V-E-R-E, from 1550 to 1604. Uh, you know, he actually was considered to be the true author of Shakespeare's plays. So according to the Oxfordians, according to the Oxfordians or the anti-Stratfordians, anti-Stratfordians, we are able to see that Edward de Verve is considered to be the real author. Why? Because, you know, they said the Oxfordians, who, who are saying that Edward de Verve is the original author of Shakespeare's plays? The Oxfordians, the Oxfordians or the anti-Stratfordians are saying that. All right. Why are they saying it? Because they are saying Shakespeare's plays are having a great quality of a court politics. They know a lot about the writings which are around. So it cannot be the work of a person who's just coming, um, you know, who's just a front man. It cannot be a work of such a person. So what, what they're trying to say is that it clearly shows, it clearly shows that it was Edward de Verve that was the true, uh, true author of the works. So, you know, basically the main arguments against de Verve are that Shakespeare's later plays uh, were actually not printed also uh, until after de Verve's death. Uh, so we, we are able to see that those claims are, of course, uh, they, they have been, uh, they, they have, of course, been completely castigated. But still, this is the concept that you should all remember, the concept of Earl of Oxford or Edward de Verve. That means the Oxfordians consider that it's actually not not Shakespeare, but it's Edward de Verve who's a writer. And coming on to the last bit today uh, about sumptuary laws, uh, I'll, I'll be sharing another podcast very uh, soon, uh, like right after this, in a couple of hours, to continue with some more topics. But sumptuary laws are also important. What are sumptuary laws? Sumptuary laws are these series of laws that were beginning before the 16th century. They were starting before the 16th century and they, they actually extended also. What were they trying to do? They were trying to restrict, they were trying to restrict certain expensive clothes to only a particular class of people. For instance, like, you know, if there is well-wit, it should be only worn by some people. 
so we are able to see that these laws to control the dress code that you know the the dresses or a particular material a particular garment should be only worn by some classes of people is called the sumptuary laws is called the sumptuary laws that is that was very very popular okay and of course uh, we see that sumptuary laws were not at all protected they were not at all protected forget about that they were not respected at all people were not ready to respect them at all so this is also an important concept that you're having during the period try to revise some of these concepts and uh, just try to go over these concepts because they're important and usually these kind of questions are coming in the portrait of, of queen elizabeth or what is the essay that is being written or when are we able to see that borges is talking about so remember borges is talking about about everything and nothing is a short story that sh that he's writing and he talks about shakespeare that no one has ever been so many men as this man who like the egyptian proteus could exhaust all the guises of reality could exhaust all the guises of reality so that is also important uh, so just make sure that you you capture all the nuggets from today's podcast and if there are any other concerns please feel free to let us know take good care of yourselves good luck for your preparations god bless bye bye take care